From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Off the Post. I am your host, John Mattis of Post Media, and today I have Jack Hahn on the show. He is a writer for The Athletic, and he is also known on Twitter for his one-minute tactics. Uh, he's an interesting guy with interesting thoughts about the game of hockey. How's it going, Jack? Very good. Um, just uh, just before we get started, it, it's Valentine's Day. It's 8, 10 p.m., so I'd like to give a shout-out to my girlfriend, Stephanie, for actually letting me come on the podcast today. So. Very, very gracious for her. Wow. Yeah. Give her, give her yeah. my thanks, too. I didn't even realize that was a, a situation that you had to figure out. But <laughs> no, no. So, so, yeah, we have exactly 30 minutes. We're going to keep it nice and short and sweet. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so yeah. today's been an eventful day for many reasons. Uh, obviously, Valentine's Day, very eventful. Uh, Michelle Therrien got let go of uh, his job with the Montreal Canadiens, replaced by Claude Julien. Uh, you actually coincidentally worked for the Canadians in a marketing capacity uh, a couple years ago. So you, you know, Tarion personally, uh, were you surprised by this and how do you think, uh, it might go over with him as, as, as a guy? Okay. So, um, in, uh, 2013, 14, so that was the year when, um, the Habs made the conference finals and, and lost the Rangers. Um, I actually worked for the Habs and, uh, in, uh, in digital media. So actually I was like a beat writer for the team, um, for their official website. So I was around the team quite a bit. I covered games, practices, went on a few road trips. So, you know, I, I got a really, um, good appreciation for, you know, for what it's like to coach in Montreal, but also the way that Tarion likes to work. Um, so, so, so yeah, that, that gave me some pretty good insight. Were you uh, surprised? I mean, is it is it something where you were? Because there's kind of two camps in the in the whole firing situation. Some people think you know you hold on uh, to the coach, you know, get through those tough times of maybe bad percentages or of just uh, you know bad luck or I don't know your goalie going through a rough patch, whatever. Maybe there's been he's the fifth firing I believe of of the season. Like it's been kind of crazy for for coaches this year. Uh, so there's that camp, and then there's the other camp that just says. You know, someone's got to go. Someone's got to be the fall guy when things aren't going great. Uh, where do you stand on Ontarian getting fired? I think, generally speaking, or for, for the group that the Habs have right now, I would say that uh, Claude Julien is an upgrade over Michel Therrien. Yeah, and the, the reason why I wanted to have you on the show, you know, obviously this Therrien stuff didn't happen before we started talking about it, was uh, to discuss your your kind of. I don't know if it's your thing, but it, it's one thing that you've brought kind of to, to the mainstream discussion around uh, tactics and hockey is is this thing called total hockey. And uh, wh- when we were discussing uh, today, just kind of about what we're going to talk about on, on the podcast, you mentioned how Tarion would probably not be the uh, the best guy to, to try total hockey. Do you want to just kind of dive into this concept of total hockey and, and maybe why, why Tarion w- wouldn't be really the right guy to implement it? Sure. I mean, you know, the idea is if you, if you look at, um, even if you look at the NHL right now, like some of the best coach teams, I would say, you know, I'm talking about maybe, um, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs or the National Predators or um, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Chicago Blackhawks, you, you see a lot of overlap between the things that forwards do and defensemen do. So what they're doing essentially is um, the the idea that forwards or, you know, left wing, right wing, center – and defensemen, you know, the lines are much more blurred 
than they traditionally are. So, you know, you would have defensemen jumping in into the play regularly as a fourth forward, or you would have, you know, a forward kind of helping out on defense a little bit more to help with zone exits. And, and it's not really a new thing. Like if you, um, if you watch the Soviets in the 70s and 80s, you know, they, they did that quite a bit. And obviously, uh, total soccer, that, that was a thing, you know, with the Dutch and with, um, I think certain former Soviet Union teams as well. And I mean, if you've ever played shitty, um, on an outdoor rink, you know, there are no set positions, right? It's just whoever is closest to puck makes a play on it and then everybody else kind of swarms around it. So, like, the idea behind it is very simple, but at the same time, it's, um, it's a source of innovation for, for coaches at the NHL level right now. Basically, it's all about supporting your teammates and not being stuck in this box of if you're a defenseman, all you do is play defense. You know, you don't rush the puck. You just, you know, high off the glass. If you're a, And then conversely, if you're a forward, you know, you back check, but you don't really go too deep in the zone. You might hang up near the other uh, the other team's point and, and you know, let let, you, let the other players do their thing in the defensive zone. Like Total hockey is essentially about stripping the labels and and maybe just you know basically everyone's one group and everyone's supporting each other on the forecheck um back check on on just you know entering a zone exiting a zone um is that is that sort of how you see it is that it's 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 more of a a team philosophy and a team uh unit always moving together yeah and and i think a lot of it is giving your players some basic directions like you know, I've um, I've worked at McGill for three years now in video and analytics with uh, their women's hockey team, and actually we we just locked down number um, the first place overall in our in our conference. So, so that that's a great thing for us. But we've worked the same way for the past three years, where you know we give a structure to our players, but then we kind of let them do the talking, so to speak. Um, you know, they, they have a clear idea of what we want to do as a team, but you know we're not too caught up on on, you know, the minutia of the game, I would say. And, and that's really, you know, if you look at Terrian's body of work, I think that's one thing that I find has, has held back in terms of results is that um, he, he's somebody who, ha- who wants to be in control. And I think, you know, he has certain ideas about how, how hockey should be played and, you know, whether they're right or they're wrong. I, I, I just feel like they're... You know, he's not as flexible as certain other coaches would be uh, in that position. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up McGill because in the, in the intro there, I kind of uh, just forgot to include that. You're you're working with the, the women's hockey team there. You focus on video and analytics, and you obviously can see that if, if anyone knows Jack from online, that's kind of your, your forte is to mix basically the eye test with, with the stats and, and, you know, bring it all together in video form. And uh, the one minute one minute tactics that you do have have gained popularity, and I think a part of that is because what you're what you're showing people is kind of it's not traditional. It's it's kind of well sometimes it is, but also it's thinking outside the box and and focusing on things that certain teams do that differentiate differentiate them from the 29 other teams. And you had one about the Leafs where it was about total hockey. Um, can you just break down sort of how they've, in certain situations, taken on the total hockey mentality. Yeah, so really, the, you know, the, the two things that you would watch for um, at the NHL level right now is the third, what, what the third forward does and what the first defenseman in the play does. So if you watch the Leafs, what you'll have is 
if you have a puck in the offensive zone that's about to come out, their first defenseman, the one that's on the strong side, is going to pinch very aggressively, and their third forward is actually going to come back and cover for that defenseman. So you kind of see an overlap between what forwards do and what defensemen do, whereas, you know, a more traditional coach would say, you know, have that third forward try to catch the puck, and then that first defenseman already starting to back out of the zone so that he wouldn't get caught. So, um, you know, the whole idea of total hockey is, Whoever is closest to the puck makes the play. We don't really care what nominally that player's position is. You know, if he's in an, in a position to make a play on the puck, then he'll do it, and then his other closest teammate is going to help him out and and back him up defensively, right? So it, it's no longer about um, you know labels. It's more about you know being pragmatic and you know people taking the shortest distance to the puck and and making play off of that. And one of the requirements of, of total hockey is that you need you need smart players, you need players that can anticipate well, that are just kind of very aware on the ice. Because uh, you know you're not going to get by with having a bunch of grinders trying to do total hockey or a bunch of uh, you know stay at home defensemen. It's got to be a certain type of player. And the way that the league is trending now, it's kind of a perfect um, marriage of of sort of total hockey. If if, if coaches want to take hold of that idea. Um, it's a perfect time because the players that are coming into the league are, you could argue, more versatile than, than they've ever been. Uh, you look at guys like Brent Burns and uh, Troy Stetcher and Jared Spurgeon and kind of these these hybrid players that, you, yeah. you know, and yeah. I, mean, I mean, McDavid is, is obviously, a, you know, an exception to, to every sort of rule. He's just that elite, but he's another guy. He could easily play um, the, the di- all different positions and not look out of place. Is is it is it a little pie in the sky the, the the idea of total hockey just because you need a certain you know player at every position? You know what I, I don't think so, and I, I would even disagree with your you know saying that grinders or you know lesser skilled players can't play that kind of style. Like you know even if you look at minor hockey or if you look at beer league hockey, like there are certain things that you can there are certain reasons why it's actually a really good fit. Like for example, like do you play beer league hockey? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, so, you know, if the puck is along the board and the other team is trying to break out, like, I would rather have a defenseman pinch and then me as a forward, like, go and back him up instead of, um, you know, busting my ass, trying to catch up to the guy breaking out and then having my, my defenseman pivot back because the toughest thing to do in beer league hockey is to pivot backwards, right? So if you're actually having your defenseman pinch in and then you, you as a forward are back-checking earlier, then nobody's going backwards. So, so it's actually, like, it's even a way, let's say, to make up for a lack of skill in, in certain areas. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and, hello? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, was, I was just saying that that makes a lot of sense when you when you put it that way and you start visualizing. It's a lot of kind of just covering for each other. When one guy yeah. goes one way, the other guy's got to go the other way. Yeah. And, and actually, I, for me, like, the biggest obstacle to playing this way, and I, I don't care if it's, you know, at the NHL level or, you know, minor hockey or beer league, it has more to do with how the game is taught and also how players are evaluated on their performance. Because, you know, if you go back to Tarion, um, you know, the, the feeling that I get from, you know, talking to people who've actually worked hands-on with him and, you know, look, you know, reading his interview transcripts or, you know, listening to what the players have to say is that the two stats that he really pays attention to are scoring chances for and against, and turnovers. And, and, and the problem is that, you know, 
like I, I think he, he's somebody who is very conscious of details, whether it's on video or in stats. But the, the problem with as a coach is, you know, if you start paying too much attention to the wrong things, it starts interfering with the final product. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Are you are you basically getting at that he's just he's isolating, you know, too many like you know he basically said scoring chances for scoring chances against you know turnovers for turnovers against like are you basically saying he's focusing on uh too small of of a group of things and he should be looking at the whole kind of big picture view and and more so what's happening in between the boards i mean it's not really just a problem with him or even you know with hockey coaches with anyone who's in a position to make decisions on in any industry really you know if you start putting too much focus on the wrong things, it, sometimes it's almost worse than not paying attention at all. Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because if you if you look at his track record of you know the players that he's had in in Montreal, you know he, he's he struggled getting the most out of a certain group of players, and you know incidentally those kind of players may not always show up well um, in turnovers and also in scoring chance differentials especially if you're looking at things in a very small sample. Like, you know, for, for instance, at McGill, I don't like to talk about stats with our coaches, even though, you know, we have a very complete database. For me, you know, less is more. Like, I would rather take a five-game or a 10-game or 20-game sample and say, you know, maybe this is something that we need to address instead of looking at things on a day-to-day basis. Because, you know, if you have 82 games, but you're always looking things um, – in a game report kind of format where, you know, after every game you're looking at how a specific player did, well, a lot of that is noise, right? Like if you if you look at, let's say, you know, five-game samples or ten-game samples, the scoring chances that you give up or that you create, they're, they're going to cancel, like the luck and the noise is going to cancel out and, and you can really appreciate a player's true contribution a little bit better. And, and same thing with turnovers. Like if you're only looking at turnovers, then you know, you, you're missing half the picture. Like, you know, guys like, um, you know, Michael Ryder, Thomas Bannock, Daniel Briere, um, Alex Semin, P.K. Subban, Mark Barbario. Like, they're all guys who are no longer on the team but who are very useful players. And I can see how, you know, Terry has lost patience with them because, you know, they honestly they don't show up well in these stats, especially if you look at, you know, on a game-to-game basis. Yeah, I, I had uh, Michael Trakos on the podcast, two podcast episodes ago, and we were talking about coaches in general and kind of how, you know, how they should look at their team. And I think you're kind of hitting on a point that I was trying to make during that episode was if you're a coach, you have to look at every player individually and look at their strengths and their weaknesses and focus on putting them in the right position to succeed, as opposed to, like you're saying with Tarion, he might be just grouping everyone together and going, why is this guy always a high on the turnover list? You know, he's not a good player and kind of classifying him as a poor player, you know, just using that as an example. Whereas it should be more about, you know, what does this guy do? Okay, he did it well tonight. He gets, you know, a check mark or whatever. And then, you know, you, when you get a bigger sample size, you can make, you know, actual conclusions. Yeah, and, and like, I mean, I don't blame him because as a coach, that's the hardest thing that you can do is take a step back and maybe realize that less is more. Like, you know, you have 82 games plus playoffs. Every game is emotionally charged. Every game somebody makes a mistake or multiple mistakes. 
and I think it takes a lot of courage sometimes to, to kind of look at it and say, you know what, let, let me sleep on this, or, um, you know, it's just one game, it doesn't really matter that much, and, you know, let's see in five games or ten games. Because um, NHL coaches get where they they get to where they are by being uh, hard workers, by paying attention to details, by really, you know, focusing on, um, you know, being firm with the players. But once you get there, I think sometimes the hardest thing is to kind of let go a little bit. And, and just, you know, beyond just Michelle Terry, like, you know, if you look at Ken Hitchcock also, like, you know, what maybe got these, you know, individuals to the very top level is also something that pulls them back once in a while. Yeah, I mean, everyone's got their faults, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it you know, it works at the player level, looks it works at the management level, works at the coach level, it works in every industry. It's it's kind of one of those things where you take the good with the bad, or the bad with the good, I guess. Um, and you know, like you said, these guys got there somehow. They're you know, there's a reason why a lot of them get recycled throughout the league. It's probably because well, connections help, but also they bring a lot to the table. They bring uh, you know, certain knowledge, certain tactics, certain systems and deployment that that are wanted elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, like, like how many co- hockey coaches out there on the planet? Like, maybe Michel Therrien is, like, the 25th best hockey coach on the planet. I mean, where, where does that leave us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so, like you talked about before, you work you work for the McGill women's hockey team, and your role is to basically, uh, the way I've actually, the way I've viewed it at least, is uh, you're kind of, a liaison between, uh, you know, what you're seeing in the statistics and in video and the coaching staff. It's kind of, you know, you're you're collecting all the data. You're you're kind of figuring out what it all means, and then you relay it to them in 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 different terms or in helpful terms. Am I reading that right? Yeah, and, and I think it's it's been a really you know interesting process because I've been here for three years, and actually, uh, this will likely be my last season. I've already kind of hired my my successor and everything, so so that's great. And I think the biggest difference with me between you know my, my first season working with uh, Coach Peter Smith and and our staff, and now is that I think over time I've become more and more comfortable with actually giving them less information. Or um, you know, in my first year, I'd be like, you know, you guys should be looking at this, you guys should be looking at that. You know, maybe we should change the line somehow. And like this year, um, you know. The quantity of data and the quantity of insights I have is actually greater, but most most of the time, like you know, we sit down for maybe five minutes every week and we look at the stats, and I'd be like, you know what, well, like this is fine. You know, if uh, if this keeps up for five or ten games, I'll let you know, but we don't have to worry about these things. So like that, it's actually it's actually the thing that I most often tell our coaches is, you know what, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, and you had a you have a post at uh, hockeygraphs.com that is kind of a rule of thumb with dealing with analytics and coaching and just the game of hockey being on the inside. And one of your rules talks about how part of your job as an analyst is to help the coach get a better night's sleep. Like you don't want to be dropping all this information on him and then he has to deal with it, or you don't want to be giving him problems that aren't real problems. Like like you said, you know, a couple minutes ago the fact that you've kind of trimmed down your conversations with him is, is, is beneficial to the coach in the sense that he's not uh, taking in all this information and it might not all be meaningful. Now you're kind of just telling him the cliff notes and, and the really important stuff. And that, that ends up being really your job is to be 
um, just briefing them on the crucial matters. Yeah, and I mean, I can only speak for myself, but like I, I think back to the first year why why I did this job, and it, it, I almost felt kind of pathetic because in the beginning I was trying to justify myself so much, and I was almost like like uh, like a kid, you know, was always tugging um, at your pant leg and saying, "Look, pay attention to me," or "Look what I can do," or you know. <laughs> and, and, and over time, it's gotten. I think I've gotten to be a lot more secure in in uh, both my abilities, but also in you know the coach's abilities to make adjustments. Yeah, and we, me and you spoke uh, in October. I was doing a story, kind of a state of analytics uh, in hockey, just a recap going into the season and, and, a, and a look ahead going into the season. And one of the quotes that, uh, that you gave me and that I ended up using was that you said, in my mind, the end game of analytics in hockey is not that every team has an analyst uh, or a director of analytics. For me, the end game is at some point every team in the NHL We'll have somebody behind the bench who knows about analytics and can put it into practice. I found that pretty insightful because, you know, for a while it was all about kind of the arms race. Hey, this team's hired this guy. This team's hired this guy. And it's kind of, that's not old news now, but it's kind of, it's expected. Every team kind of has a guy or two or three. Um, and you kind of looked at it as from a coaching angle where it's like, okay, there's a guy there, but if you're not, talking to the coach and relaying information and somehow um, getting through to him in a positive way, then, then what's the point, right? Like the players are still going to, uh, are going to do whatever he says. Yeah. And I think after three years, like I don't even think most of our players really understand what I do. Like I, I kind of briefly try to explain to them what, what I do, but you know, we don't share a lot of the stats with them. And, and that's, that's actually a luxury that we have um, compared to NHL teams, because any NHL player really can go look up his course, right? Whereas, our, like, our players can't do that because I'm not giving them access to our database. So, really, um, you know, it kind of removes a layer of confusion. And um, and actually, something funny that happened recently was, you know, a player comes up to me, and, and she, was, she was saying how... Um, you know, she, she's kind of rattled because she let in, like, she was on the ice for, like, three goals against, and she hasn't been on the ice for three goals against the whole season or something. And, you know, I, I wasn't going to go into a very deep conversation with her about, like, regression and PDO and stuff like that, but I just told her, like, look, like, don't worry about it. This is not what we as a coaching staff are going to focus on, you know. Or if you have a really good offensive player to turn the puck over, well, like, who cares? Like, go and get it back and, and, you know, put some more shots on that. Like, if you go and get it back, then we're never going to grind grind you on that. Like, you, and, and I think that kind of attitude is more, is really conducive to a team that that's going to play a more, you know, free-flowing, you know, total hockey, whatever, like a more offensive style because you know that if you make a mistake, then you can always make up for it later and the coaches might help you, but they're not going to, um, they're not going to blame you for anything, right? Like, like a, a really great quote that one of our uh, men's coaches said was, uh, you know, if I, I don't care if we get scored on. Like, if they score four, then we score more. And, and I think that's a really fun way to look at things. Yeah, it's a little or non-traditional because usually it's like, you know, I'd rather have a 2-1 game than, than a 5-4 game or whatever. But that's kind of cool that he threw that out there. And when I think of uh, NH, you know, the NHL perspective of this and, and the players thinking about their own statistics and 
not necessarily goals and assists because obviously they're always going to know about that. They're, it's literally just, did I score tonight? Did I get an assist tonight? It's very obvious. But I wonder with NHLers, do any of them or some of them know what their you know possession stats are? Know if even their shooting percentage? Like I, I don't know if that many guys probably pay attention to that. And I think that's a good thing. From my perspective, the, the player – you know, we listen, they should listen to their coaches. You know, they got skills coaches. They've got their head coach, assistant, uh, you know, whoever works on special teams. They have, you know, a, a good kind of community there that can surround them. And, and if they're within that bubble and those people are telling them the right things, then if they have the talent, it's going to it's going to be fine. Like they shouldn't. I don't if I'm a, if I'm a player, I'm staying away from any sort of. Uh, you know, advanced stats site or, or something like that. I just feel like it it would never benefit. That's a wrap. That's, that's kind of a rabbit hole because, like, you can't bitter look, but at the same time, you, like, you can't, like, like you can't resist looking. You know? Like, I mean, if you ask most players, like, they would tell you that they're pretty, um, um, they have a good idea of what their plus minus is, and, and like, we know that plus minus is not a good stat, right? But like, so. You know, if you, I think if you give them, you know, the, the link to Corsica or, you know, Apocalytics or, you know, all the other sites, like, for sure they will look at it. But I, I think it takes somebody that's who's well-informed to put things in perspective and maybe let them know, hey, like, you know, this is out there, but don't worry about this so much. and Or, you know, you, you seem to be struggling in this area and this is why and, and let's work on that. Like it's more about that because if you know if a, if a player has like forty percent Corsi, like obviously that's a bad thing for him. Like you would think that he'd be out of a job soon, right? Yeah, there there's certain parts of their game that they could improve on, and then that improves in, improves as well. You know what I mean? There's a correlation uh, yeah. between most stats and and kind of the way you play. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious from from your kind of. Uh, your your learnings and and just being around the game uh which which coaches in the nhl do you look at and go that guy you know is playing a brand of hockey that's you know conducive to winning and conducive to um just playing kind of a a modern game i'm not necessarily saying like full total hockey but that's really using all their parts well and really just honing in 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 a, in a more uh up-to-date way i don't know if that makes sense i guess who are your favorite coaches is, is more my my better question i it, it's a very tricky question because you know honestly in the grand scheme of things if, if you're in the nhl you're a good coach and you know coaches can make adjustments that make their team all of a sudden a lot better like if you look at tortorella this year like i never would have expected him to do as well um with columbus as you know as as he's done. And like, you know, nobody saw it coming. And even though they've regressed a little bit, like they're still a good team and they're still a lot better than, than they were last year or two years ago, let's say. Um, so, so really like it, it, the way that I would explain this is if you ever pay attention to, to soccer tactics, you know, the two biggest parts of soccer is um, pressing. So what happens when your opponent has the ball near their goal and you're trying to get it back and the build-up. So what happens when you have the ball near your goal and you're trying to get up the pitch? So good hockey coaches have good strategies and tactics for their build-up and also for their press. And and really, if you're a team with a clear plan and good execution and you can build up and then you can press, 
then you will have good possession and you're going to score a lot of goals and you're going to win a lot of games. Like, it's really as simple as that. This is sort of along the lines of what you just said. You tweeted the other day that um, – I got to pull the tweet up for a second here. Um, you you tweeted this. If you replace offense and defense with creating space and closing space, you you get a better understanding of hockey. And, and I read that, and I'm like, that's totally true. That's basically what it is, is – you know, you t- when you're watching hockey and you're looking at defensemen, a lot of it has to do with gap control and just, you know, blocking certain offensive opportunities. Just, you know, somehow making sure the other team doesn't score. I mean, that makes sense. That's kind of defense. And then the other way uh, with offense, you're creating space, just like you alluded to. It's pretty much all about, um, you know, just finding those holes and then obviously capitalizing on your shots. What what yeah. was that? What where, where did that come from? Did you read it somewhere, or was that off the top of your head? Uh, I'm pretty sure I got it somewhere else because I I don't think I've had an, an original idea about hockey. Like everything has either been a combination of stuff I've gotten elsewhere, or you know, straight up like I've taken it somewhere else. Like it's like the idea is not original. Like nothing about hockey is new, really. I, I'm just maybe recombining things. Yeah, well, you're you're doing it in an articulate way, so uh, I uh, I appreciate you coming on, Jack. And uh, how could people find your work? So uh, best way is probably my Twitter account. So it's n l underscore h a n. Okay. Simple as that. And and um, hopefully, you know, at McGill, we're gonna have a a nice uh, provincial playoff run, and then hopefully a nice national playoff run. So if if you have any chance to watch them. Um, uh, some U Sports women's hockey, then uh, tune in and, and and maybe you'll get to see how how we do it at McGill. I'm intrigued. Is this a na- national title year? Are you guys that good? I think we'll be okay. Yeah, <laughs> right on. That's, I think we'll be okay. It, it doesn't answer. depend on me because I can't score any of the goals. But this is but true. I think we'll be okay. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jack. All right. No problem. Take care. Cheers.